This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. How do you best prepare for your financial future? Well, these days that question isn't so easy to answer, especially because of some paradigm changing economic developments that are occurring through some very rapid advances in technology and global interdependent networks. What does this all mean? Well, it means that if an unlikely but potentially very significant event occurs that can affect your finances, you need to pay attention and be prepared. So we're going to talk about it today with Chuck Bentley, who is CEO of Crown Financial Ministries. In his latest book, Seven Gray Swans, he identifies seven of the most critical economic developments today and offers insight based on biblical financial principles on how to be ready if and when they do come to pass. Chuck, great to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Janet. It's always my pleasure. I hope you're doing well. I am doing very well. Thank you so much. Tell us what gray swans are. I know you know what these are, but for a lot of listeners, this might be a new term, and they're not quite sure how this applies to financial things. It's an economic term that contrasts to black swan. A black swan event is something that is totally unexpected. You can't predict it. It's on nobody's radar, and it has devastating consequences. Uh, uh, That's a black swan. A gray swan is something that you can actually identify. It's out in the open. But most people don't think it's going to happen, so they tend to ignore it. (laughs) I like to keep up with those things, Janet. I know you do as well. So I've been tracking these economic gray swans, and I'm trying to alert Christians to be aware of them so that they're not caught off guard and become helpless to their circumstances. Right. It's so important for people to really consider this because we have had, as everybody knows, a lot of stress on our economy in the last year due to the pandemic. How would you, generally speaking, assess the state of our economy right now? Because we've had all these businesses closed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Now the Biden administration is destroying jobs on purpose with things like shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. How would you assess where we are right now, kind of the trajectory of the economy, as it were? Well, I will divide that question into two parts. The first part is Wall Street, the you know the public markets, and they're on fire right now. They they're just uh, at extremely high levels. Most people that I know and read are expecting a significant correction at some point, possibly tied to the next uh, level of uh, bailout or or COVID funding. Some think the markets are going to correct then, and then if you go to Main Street or what really is the economy, the diversification of small businesses trying to go about their job, they're still struggling. And so I think we have a fragile economy. Uh, It's fragile both at what's happening on Wall Street and what's happening on Main Street. And I think we need to be prepared for a prolonged, difficult correction. Yeah, well, people need to be realistic about it. So let's get into some of these gray swans you mentioned in your book, one of which is universal basic income. Even saying that phrase gives me a little bit of the jitters thinking about this idea that's been endorsed by a number of people, including the Pope and Andrew Yang and some others, Bernie Sanders. What is the likelihood that this will come about? And maybe even an explanation is in order of what it is. 
Well, what it means is that everybody receives basic income from the government without any uh, qualification. Uh, I liken it to winning the lottery where you're going to get a monthly income, but you never had to buy a lottery ticket. Uh, Everybody wins, and the government's going to print more money and go into more debt to be sure that they attempt to close the two problems that they they, they say are, are needed to be closed. Income inequality right now is a big problem as well as people who are suffering from the pandemic. So there's a lot of justification behind this. I think the probability increases the longer the pandemic uh, carries on. You're seeing uh, people talk about it even now, moving from a one-time stimulus check to possibly a monthly stimulus check. And it's a very hard program to turn down. We all like free money, uh, but in the end, we realize that universal basic income is not free. Well, that's the point. I mean, if you are somebody who does not qualify, for example, to receive one of those stimulus checks, you're the one who's forking over more money. And certainly this administration has its sights on raising taxes. So the downside of all of this, like you said, it's not free. What is the inevitable result if they actually do enact something like this in total? Universal basic income. I mean, that just sounds like Marxism to to those of us who might be observing from afar. Well, you're exactly right, Janet. I mean, it, it could be Marxism's first cousin, which is socialism, yep. And, yep. Uh, where where the government essentially says we're going to support the whole world. We're going to put everybody on government payroll for at some level, so we all feel a dependency on the government. I think that's a terrible idea. Where does it lead? I think it ultimately leads to a, a very, very weak economy. Uh, you know, you have people in Venezuela who are making 82,000 bolivar per month. And uh, they call themselves Venezuelan millionaires. But if they convert it to U.S. dollars, they get $4 a month. And I think that universal basic income will lead us to that kind of upside-down weakening of the overall economy where nobody is really healthy, but we are pretending that we are because we've got money in the mailbox. Well, right. And the alternative is they could let people go back to work. They could revive the economy. Yeah, we've got vaccines now. So why don't we let the American people go back and earn their own income? Well, I I think that the dystopian worldview, Janet, is that uh, people are not capable of taking care of themselves and therefore they need government support and that we're all some sort of helpless consumer that if we just had money in our pocket, we'd be happy and be quiet. But the truth is God created man to be producers And that brings not only dignity to our lives, but it also helps everyone else. When we get out into the workforce, we make a product or service that other people enjoy. That's how God created us to operate. And that's why I think universal basic income undermines more than just the economy. It undermines our personal dignity and satisfaction in life. Yeah, I agree with you there. Now, another one of these swans, uh, we're really getting into some of the dystopian stuff, but it's not that far off the horizon, I don't think. Digital currency and an electronic economy. So already we're in some of this. Online banking has become a really common thing for a lot of people, but some of these financial tools that you're talking about combined with biometric ID are beginning to reshape the global economy. Are we moving toward a cashless society? Many people are concerned about this. How likely is this to come to pass in the distant future or maybe the immediate future? Well, I don't want us to go to a cashless society where we're literally only using electronic currency, where all we have in a bank account is some digits and then we hope that we don't forget our password. (laughs) And what that's leading to is this biometric ID. Right now, we're using it to open our phones with a thumbprint or an iris print or facial recognition software. 
And that ultimately leads to complete government control over our personal economy. I like privacy. I like privacy of financial transactions. I think we all need that. And so what's happening, Janet, is that COVID is speeding up the idea that this would be good for us. You know, the idea that, uh, that currency is dirty. Now you see some businesses that are refusing to accept cash or coins. They will only accept electronic funds. It's going to speed it up. It's happening around the world in other nations, and I think it's coming here. Well, that that's not great news, and, and especially when you think about what's happening with cancel culture. We've had a couple of isolated incidents, I know, in the last few years where somebody who might get, uh, you know, run awry of the woke crowd on Twitter or something fi- finds himself in kind of an altercation with his bank. His bank doesn't want to do business with him. I mean, how much does that potentially open up a cancel culture problem for people who say, well, I, I don't go along with the zeitgeist, and so am I going to even be able to bank freely the way that I used to when America had its head on straight? I mean, how much of that is a threat, do you think? I think it's a significant threat, Janet, not only for an individual, but also for a complete grouping of people where, uh, you know, one political party could say, we're now in control. We don't like your party. We think we need to cancel your access to bank accounts, whether you're a 501c3, possibly even a church or something that, uh, as you say, doesn't go along with prevailing political correctness. I think that's a great risk. Uh, Obviously, it's not now uh, happening here, but it's happening in other countries. And what I, because I've traveled extensively, what I do is I look at these trends in other nations and I say, let's be aware of this so that we stand up before it starts to happen here. Yeah, very good advice. We're going to take a short pause. We'll be back with Chuck Bentley. His book is called Seven Gray Swans, Trends That Threaten Our Financial Future. Stay with us on Janet Mefford today. When I found out I was pregnant, I was devastated. I had no idea what to do. When a young mom faces an unplanned pregnancy, she's confused and scared. Society tells her that a baby is not a life and offers termination as the best solution. Preborn centers shine light into the darkness by offering young moms in crisis hope, love, and life and an ultrasound to meet their preborn baby. As soon as I get there, I felt welcome. They gave me the first look at my baby by providing a free ultrasound. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. Will you join Preborn in helping love and support young moms in crisis? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help save five babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax deductible. 855-402-2229, or there's a Preborn banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Hi, this is Janet Mefford. Did you miss the deadline to sign up for a healthcare program at the end of 2020? If so, I have good news. A special enrollment period is taking place now through May 15th, meaning that if you're looking to enroll in a new healthcare program for 2021, you can do so without the need for a qualifying event. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry that offers affordable healthcare sharing programs starting as low as $199 per month. Liberty HealthShare gives you the ability to choose any doctor or hospital across the nation. Memberships are for individuals, couples, and families 
offering a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Great to have you with us and great to have with us Chuck Bentley, who is CEO of Crown Financial Ministries. We're talking about his book, Seven Gray Swans, Trends That Threaten Our Financial Future. We were discussing some of these, Chuck, before the break, talking a little bit about online banking and the advent of biometric ID and how this might be used as a political weapon. At some point, there are some real difficulties that we can see on the horizon. Another one you mentioned is this modern monetary theory. And before I saw you write about this. I had not not heard about this before. This idea that deficits no longer matter for issuers of currency. Uh, what is going on right now with modern monetary theory? Well, Dr. Stephanie Kelton, who is a, a PhD in economics and a university professor, wrote a book called The Deficit Myth. And she's become a very prominent advisor to uh, government uh, officials, both congressmen, senators, uh, even uh, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. And, and the idea is that if you issue your own currency, you have the same position as the banker in the monopoly game. And it doesn't matter how much currency you put into the system or how many uh, deficits you accrue, that you really have unlimited access to print money and to go into debt without any concern about uh, uh, the consequences of that. And I'm pushing back against it for, number one, it's not a biblical concept. Number two, it takes economic orthodoxy for hundreds of years and turns it upside down. And it leads people into a false reality that we can continue to go uh, into these astronomical amounts of debt, print astronomical amounts of money for whatever we want to do, and that there will not be consequences. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a bad theory. But the problem is, Janet, is that we're already practicing it without it ever being uh, voted upon, yep. it's been adopted philosophically by both sides of the aisle, and I'm trying to bring people's attention to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it has been adopted by both sides of the aisle, and the COVID relief is a perfect example of this. Two trillion here, 1.8 trillion there. I mean, what, what does it matter when you have as much debt as we've racked up as a nation? I guess it just becomes like monopoly money, but here, here's a practical question. If deficits don't matter, does that mean I can just stop paying my taxes? Why are we paying taxes if deficits don't matter? Well, it's interesting because under the modern monetary theory, taxes only have one purpose. The purpose is to control the amount of the money supply. They don't matter in terms of revenue. In fact, under MMT, which some unflatteringly refer to as the monopoly money theory or the magic money theory, uh, you don't need to even have taxes. They literally think that you can print money without collecting any of it in return. So it's an upside-down theory. But the problem is, Janet, that we are practicing in a, in a sense that nobody is asking, well, how much is too much? When do we cross that threshold that our fiat money loses its value? And I think that threshold is when the, the people using the money lose confidence in it. Every currency in the world is based on the confidence in that currency to have value. 
And we can lose it in America just like they've lost it in every other country who's tried this. Well, right. How close to the edge do you believe we actually are when you look not only at the national debt, but also our unfunded liabilities? I mean, at what point does it explode? I know that's kind of a guessing game, but what do you think? Well, I think that we're in a dangerous situation. I don't want to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to uh, cause uh, undue fear and stress for people. There's still confidence in the U.S. dollar. We're still the reserve currency of the world. There's not a formidable replacement for it. I don't think people are going to trust China or Russia or countries like that to replace the U.S. dollar. So we've got a long runway, but we're, we're getting to the warning track. We're, we're doubling the amount of money in circulation since 2009. Our deficits are climbing uh, literally out of control. They're in the astronomical space where we used to count the number of stars by the number of, of uh, the size of our deficit now. And so I think it's a dangerous place. I would very much like to see our political leaders address the issue and to not test the limits if MMT actually will work. My belief is we're going to find out the hard way that it doesn't work. I think you're right about that. And and this kind of gets into something we touched on earlier. When we look at more and more people in the government and, and people who live in this nation embracing democratic socialism, this is a departure, obviously, from American ideals. Speak to that a little bit. This idea that, yay, free college, free money, free this, free that. That, that, that is a situation that is not tenable. Well, many people put democratic socialism in the category of politics. I believe it's actually an economic philosophy. It's a philosophy of centralized control of, uh, of the economy where the government picks winners and losers, and the government decides who is rich and who is poor. It doesn't do away with poverty. In every socialistic society of the world, there's been the very rich and the very poor. It actually eliminates the middle class. I think it's a terrible economic philosophy that's being adopted in political circles today as if it's some sort of uh, great solution, a utopian solution, as you said, where everything becomes free, we all become more equal, and everything works out as if Robin Hood were not some sort of fairy tale or fable. Yes. Robin Hood was a fable, and it will never work in reality, to solve the problems that we have. That's right. Something else you touch on, Chuck, which I think is on a lot of people's minds these days as we talk more and more about China, is this idea of social scoring. And they, of course, have implemented it there uh, in China, not yet here to the full degree that they've implemented over there in Asia. But uh, is this on the horizon pretty quickly? I know there is you know, increasingly the technology to be able to do more and more, uh, you know, facial recognition and this kind of stuff, and then the social credit stuff goes along with it. I mean, where are we on that timeline? Well, Janet, I think if you study what's happening in China, it's a really chilling development. Social scoring means that your public behavior, your civic behavior is scored and lumped together with your credit score. And if you start to lower your score, you, you lose access to, to money. You can't borrow money. You can't travel. Maybe you can't get into government offices. You can't get a tax refund. You can't get government benefits. And so it's a way that Big Brother is starting to take control over the minds and expression of people in their society. And we say, well, it can't happen here, but I think it is happening here, Janet. And one of the ways it's happening here is what I call the gamification of Big Brother. We are willingly submitting information about ourselves and the 
uh, algorithms are profiling us in, with everything we do online. Mm. Now, that's in private hands right now. It's not in public uh, hands yet. But in private hands, we're already seeing things like if an uh, Uber driver doesn't like me, they can cancel me from ever using Uber if I have a, a low score by the driver, who wow. I don't even know. Yeah. Or the same with the VRBO. It's happening in the private sector. My thesis is it could scale up to go to the public sector, and we will see social scoring come to our country. Not a good thing, especially for Christians, because I know over in China, for example, if you go to church, you, you get a lower social score than you would if you didn't go to church. That's That, that doesn't bode well for us. Janet, it's even worse than that. If your dog is barking at night and your neighbor complains, then they reduce your social score. So it creates a culture of fear and intimidation. It turns people against each other. And that's what allowed Big Brother to really control a massive population. Uh, it, It truly is a frightening development and one that I want Christians to be aware of. Well, it's smart for people to know about this. Also, what about things like cloud storage? This is interesting. It it sounds very, very convenient. I know a lot of us do that, store things in the cloud. Isn't this great? I can get it off my phone. What is dangerous about this or what concerns you about this kind of technology? Well, when we think about cloud storage, we immediately assume that it's safe, and we click I agree to every one of the terms and conditions that they ask us to click, and most people never read those. And what you realize when you use cloud storage is, number one, you've trusted someone that you don't even know to be the caretaker and gatekeeper over your private personal information. Is it safer? For the most part, it's safer than people who make up silly little passwords and don't you know, back up their computer. Yes, it's safer than you doing it yourself. But it doesn't mean that it's uh, eternally protected from being hacked or abused or even stolen. My wife and I uh, have had information stolen from one of the largest credit bureaus. We've had uh, other systemic failures in these networks that we we even tried to uh, print one of our bank statements one time, Janet, and the bank statement didn't exist online, and you had to request it in writing so that your, your account number was visible to you, the owner of the account. And we asked them, why are you doing that? They said, well, if you ever get hacked, we don't want somebody to know your account number. So if we had not printed the backups, we would have forgotten our very own account number. So there's a lot to cloud storage that makes me uneasy. Absolutely. And all of these things are very disturbing to a lot of us. What kind of general advice would you give to Christians, Chuck, in general about, you know, trusting this kind of technology and also keeping your financial future intact as much as possible? Well, the whole premise of my book is to help Christians be prudent. And that's from Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve, And it says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. And I love the word prudence, Janet, because it means that you're, you're measuring your steps. You're choosing a good path forward. You're prepared to t- do the right thing at the right time. It means you're going to avoid spontaneous sort of fear-based knee-jerk reactions. And you're also going to avoid becoming a hostage to your circumstances. So I want to help Christians be prudent. When it comes to things like uh, these networks and cloud storage, simply back up everything that you have have redundancy. I love the two-factor authentication method where they have to text your phone number to verify that it's you. All those things, uh, you know, super complex passwords, all those things are going to make a difference not only now, but in the future protecting our information. 
Well, it's all very important because there are a lot of things, as you mentioned, Chuck, that are on the horizon and they could happen or maybe not. But sooner or later, we're going to see at least some of these things come to pass. And you're absolutely right. I think it's vital for Christians to be prepared. Again, the name of the book is called Seven Gray Swans, Trends That Threaten Our Financial Future. Chuck Bentley with us from Crown Financial Ministries. So good to talk to you, Chuck. Thanks for the great advice. And it was really nice to talk to you. Keep up the good work, Janet. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Chuck. Take care. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, I am just really heartened to see the faith that this pastor, James Coates in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, is demonstrating in front of a watching world. We had talked about him before and playing a little bit of catch up since I was away for a few days. And that was kind of interesting because I was up north. And while I was gone, my home state of Texas had this horrible weather and all the ice and the power outages, and I missed the whole thing. So it's good to be back and it's good to be with you. And it's good to see God's people standing up for freedom. You know, it really is interesting to me because in looking at the history of the church and the history of faithful Christians who would not compromise on the gospel and would not compromise on obeying the Lord, and there have been so many situations like that that we've all read about, I know, in church history. It's weird a little bit to me to be in a time where we're having to start to do that. And we already saw that in the last year here in the United States with a number of pastors standing up bravely and boldly and saying, I'm not going to be tyrannized into stopping God's people from assembling together to worship and praise him and to assemble the saints together for fellowship. We need it. And the community needs it because people need the gospel more than ever. They're depressed. They're isolated. They're lonely. People are committing suicide. They're falling into the habits of addiction. And the church needs to be open. And as bad as it has been in the United States in many, many places over the course of the last year, Canada is just completely out of control. A couple of weeks ago, I was telling you about this very brave pastor, Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church near Edmonton, Alberta. And over the weekend, there were some incredible rallies held on his behalf because he was arrested. Yes, he was arrested. He knew he would be arrested. He turned himself in in mid-February and It's just an incredible situation. He's now in solitary confinement, in essence. They're calling it quarantine, but he's in solitary confinement. And so you've had all of these people in Canada standing up for him and trying to convince the premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, to ease up the restrictions on COVID-19 lockdowns and mandates. It's really out of control what they're demanding there. No more than 15 percent of the people can gather at any one time and you can't sing and you can't take communion and they're mandatory masks. And it's so draconian. And part of what they have been saying at that church and the attorney for James Coates has been saying is the science, which you guys say you want to follow so strictly, is not matching up with your restrictions whatsoever. And how long are you going to keep the churches closed? 
At some point, you have to suspect people. It's Reagan's old line, trust but verify. Fine, we're in the first two weeks of the pandemic. Everybody says we will voluntarily lock down. We don't want anybody to die. We don't want millions of people to die. We're going to go along with that because that's in the best interest of everybody. But after a year and when we have a vaccine and when these draconian numbers that were predicted failed to come to pass, at some point you have to look at those leaders and say, hmm, leftist tyrants, maybe there's more to this story than meets the eye. And by the way, there is. Now, Erin Coates is the wife of James Coates, and she spoke up over the weekend at this rally on Saturday outside the jail where he's been held for holding a church service. It's absolutely incredible. I want to play a little bit of this, of what Erin Coates had to say at this rally. This has got one. I'm so thankful that you guys are all here. Um, This is so overwhelming. And to see all of your faces, this is such a sweet joy. And uh, I know my husband is fighting for freedom, but more he's fighting for the Lordship of Christ over his church. And I really encourage you to go and listen to his last sermon and the role of government in the in the church. It's the, the last sermon he did on February 14th. It's on the Grace Life YouTube channel. Go and listen to that and circulate it. Everybody needs to hear what is the role of government and what is the role of church in society. And so, I again, thank you all for being here. Um, people keep asking us, what can you do for us? Open your churches. Take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and take a stand for the people. Love them. Open the doors. That's what we need to do right now. People are hurting. They need to hear about Christ. They need to hear about him who has paid the penalty for sin so that they can be reconciled to God. And so I just, I hope that happens through all of this. Open the doors of the churches. Well said, Mrs. Coates. I'm glad that you said that. And a little bit more from Aaron Coates. This is cut two. Sing your hearts out to the Lord. Love one another. Practice the one another's. And be kind to those who oppose us. Because we're doing this in love. And they're not going to understand it. They didn't understand Christ. They won't understand us either. But that's okay. Because we love them anyway. So go on. My brothers and sisters, uh, with boldness, proclaim the gospel. Use every opportunity to share what he has done in your life and who he is because there's eternal souls at risk right now. And so I just thank you all for being here. Thank you so much. It's, I can't thank you enough. Well, she's obviously very, very grateful for all of the support. And what's interesting is that the church gathered on Sunday. This is a a Canadian source. Calgary Church holds service to support arrested Edmonton pastor who broke COVID-19 rules. And it says near Edmonton, Grace Life Church held the service despite being previously issued a closure order from Alberta Health Services. The service was so busy that some members were turned away as the building had reached its full fire code capacity. COVID-19 rules in Alberta say churches should only allow 15% of that amount through the doors. I just love these people. I love these people. There were at least three police cruisers present at Grace Life on Sunday. What an excellent use of public resources, don't you think? Send the cops to the church because those people are nuts. They want to get together and have a church service. Send in the cops. Coates remains in custody at Edmonton's Remand Center 
And hundreds of protesters gathered Saturday outside the center calling for his release. Another 20 people held a much smaller protest and outdoor sermon in support of James Coates at the center Sunday afternoon. Calgary's Stevens, this is Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, said that he believes many parishioners around the province desire to worship God freely. He said these health restrictions are limiting and hindering our ability to do that. So we're standing today with Grace Life and other churches across our province to worship and to say that church is essential. The in-person worship is so vital to a church, just like it's vital to schools. That's why they're open. That's why they don't have capacity levels. Again, picking winners and losers. Stevens added that his church has put up COVID-19 signage and has masks available for those who would like one. Now listen to this part of the story. The Edmonton Interfaith Center released a letter this month signed by over two dozen different faith leaders that asked religious leaders and all Albertans to attend closely to the recommendations and directives of public health officers. Netta Follette, the coordinator for the center, the Interfaith Center, said that the group will not comment on specific churches, but believes those of all faiths should be looking out for the greater good. Phillips said to do something that is not for the social good, we should think about that. Are we listening to God? You're in an interfaith center. Which God are you talking about? Are we listening to our ego? Oh, that's deep. Are we listening to our own possibly selfish desires? You talk about the world not understanding the church. There it is in bright, bright spotlights. She said it's unfortunate, but anyone whose faith leads them to actions that put them above the law or outside the law, it almost always is going to result in unpleasantness. (laughs) The unpleasantness of putting a pastor in jail unpleasantness. Now, unpleasantness is when maybe, you know, you trip and you stub your toe. That's a little unpleasantness. I don't think incarcerating a pastor who says, I just want to preach the gospel and bring my people together and we can socially distance and people can wear masks if they want. But this whole COVID scare routine is getting old. We got to get the church open. He He's you know, now suffering unpleasantness. I wonder if this person, Netta Follett, would consider it unpleasantness if she went to jail because she was not allowed to be at her interfaith center. Oh, wait a minute. She doesn't care. Isn't that funny? The common denominator with all these people lecturing the churches, including so-called Christians, and I've seen this all over social media. Oh, James Coates, he's not being persecuted. He just is flaunting regulations that are for our good. Baloney. Baloney. This is persecution. It is flat out religious persecution. And we're going to get into some more detail on why that is so, because his attorney has spoken out. We're going to get into all of that when we return. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. Hi, this is Janet Mefford here today with Matt Bellis with Liberty HealthShare, a national nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry. Matt, many people today are confused about their options for covering their healthcare expenses. How is Liberty HealthShare different from insurance? Well, we don't want to be insurance at all. We are called a healthcare sharing ministry. 
just meaning that as men and women, we're voluntarily sharing medical bills with one another. But that means that insurance does basically two things that we don't do. One, we don't share risk. We don't try to take risk and spread it out amongst as many people as possible. We are each individually responsible for our own risk. The second thing is that we don't pool our funds. We don't put our money into a big, giant, bureaucratic black hole, and hopefully someday we'll be able to get some money out of that. So those are the two main differences. We don't spread risk, and we don't pool our funds. We're all each individually responsible responsible for our own health care and health care bills, and we share our money whenever we need each other as it pertains to our health care bills. So that's why we're not insurance, and we couldn't be more proud not to be insurance. Why would you say that health care sharing is a great option? Well, it really does set people free within the confines of a community that helps you in times of need. We're here to support each other in a community and help you during those times that are unexpected and unaffordable. But you as the individual have the Uh, ability, responsibility, and the freedom to make decisions within your health care that pertains to you and your family. Thanks, Matt. More information about Liberty HealthShare is available at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT, or their phone number is 855-585-4237. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. We are talking about Pastor James Coates, who was arrested just a few days ago in Edmonton, Alberta. He is the pastor of Grace Life Church. We've been talking about him for several weeks now, and he surrendered to police. Now, what was interesting is one of the conditions that he was given after he had his initial hearing was he could be released if he would admit to this condition and comply with the condition that he wouldn't go back and open his church again. Well, would you do it? No. No. And this is actually what the attorney had said. The The Royal Canadian Mounted Police charged him with contravening the public health orders and with breaching an undertaking, even though he did not agree to the undertaking. The bail hearing was on the 16th. The Crown Prosecutor asked the court to keep Pastor Coates in jail until his trial, which will be at least several weeks away. The Justice of the Peace ordered Pastor Coates released on the condition that he stop holding church services, a condition he could not in good conscience agree to. Pastor Coates is currently in jail awaiting trial as he will not be released until he agrees to the condition or the prosecutor agrees to withdraw the condition. So that's where things stand right now. Now, I want to go to some of the video that his attorney, John Carpe, put out talking about the situation. Some of the background, because you need to hear this. If you're getting this story on mainstream media, not that there's a whole lot of that kind of coverage, there's a lot they leave out because they want to make the tyrants look good. And they want to scare you with all of this COVID talk, even though we've got these vaccines now and the cases are dropping precipitously and the deaths are dropping and the hospitalizations are dropping. I am convinced at this point there are people who just want it to go on forever because it gives them cover for honestly persecuting people in the case of Pastor Coates and trampling people's rights in the case of most other people who are affected by them and just being drunk with power. That's what I think it's now 
become in the long run as it just goes on and on and out. And now we got Dr. Fauci saying, oh, you, you probably are going to have to wear masks in 2022. Right. Because he doesn't want to lose his position going to all the mainstream media outlets and giving all of his little interviews because he loves the spotlight. He loves all of this attention. Why don't you just tell us we have to be masked until 2045? I mean, go for the gusto, Dr. Fauci. This is how crazy these people are. So let's go to this attorney for Pastor Coates. This is John Carpe, and he is with the Center for Constitutional Freedoms. This is cut three. On Wednesday, February 17th, 2021, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney used Facebook to extend best wishes to Christians across Alberta and around the world as they begin the penitential season of Lent on Ash Wednesday. While Premier Kenney was sending out his Ash Wednesday greetings, Pastor James Coates was locked up in an Alberta prison for exercising his charter freedoms of conscience, religion, association, expression, and peaceful assembly. Like most people, Pastor Coates and his Grace Life Church near Edmonton were very concerned about the COVID virus back in March of 2020, when governments listened to the wildly inaccurate predictions of Neil Ferguson of Imperial College. Professor Ferguson claimed that COVID was an unusually deadly killer that we should all be very afraid of. 11 months later, and we know from Statistics Canada that death rates in 2020 were very much in line with Canadian death rates in 2019, 2018, 2017, and prior years. Not what you would expect from an unusually deadly killer, is it? No, it's not. And then he addressed some of the actual data on the dangers of COVID-19. This is cut for. For about 90% of the population, you have a greater chance of dying in a car accident than you do of dying from COVID. Yet our politicians failed to protect vulnerable seniors in nursing homes. Instead, they imposed harmful and destructive lockdowns on the entire population, forcing millions of Canadians into unemployment, poverty, and despair. We also know today that COVID is not spread significantly by asymptomatic people. And I've asked the Alberta government to provide the public with the science that the government is relying on to support the government's belief that healthy people are dangerous spreaders of the virus. I'm still waiting. And he'll probably wait forever because we all know the jig is up on these people. They love the power. And that's what it's all about. It's not about science. It's not about science. COVID is real and COVID does spread. But as we've talked about on this show for the better part of a year now, he's absolutely right when it comes to the ridiculousness of the Imperial College guy, Neil Ferguson, who made all these insane predictions and they weren't true. Now, why is Pastor Coates refusing to comply with the government? He also answered this question. Now, listen to this. This is Cut 5. Like so many other people in Alberta and around the world, Pastor Coates understands that the violation of our human rights and human dignity by lockdown measures is not based on science and evidence. Politicians have yet to put forward evidence that lockdowns have saved lives. Yes, politicians claim that lockdowns are saving lives but they're not putting forward evidence to support that claim. In the face of charter violating policies that have never been voted on or approved by the elected members of the Legislative Assembly of Alberta, Pastor Coates has continued to exercise his charter freedoms by holding church services. And now he's in jail. He's not allowed to see any family or other visitors for the first 14 days of his confinement. So effectively, he is in solitary confinement. Now, I understand that Premier Jason Kenney did not personally order Pastor Coates to be arrested and imprisoned, but it's entirely because of Jason Kenney's laws 
that Pastor Coates is in jail today. Now, this is interesting. Ezra Levant from Rebel News in Canada, you may be familiar with him, did an interview recently with Glenn Beck and commented on this issue of the effective solitary confinement of this pastor and how this is just a complete outrage. This is Cut 6. As far as I know, Pastor Coates is the only person in Canada to be imprisoned. And you're correct to point out, I spoke to his lawyer last night, um, from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. They're doing great work there. He isn't just in a maximum security facility. I understand that for COVID reasons, he's being isolated for 14 days. That's called solitary confinement, which some people say is tantamount to torture. You go mad, you, you can't get visitors even from your family. And, and one last layer, and this is, boggles the mind, I should say that throughout Canada, and I think in some jurisdictions in America too, actual violent prisoners were let out of jail so they didn't catch COVID. So we're letting the criminals out and we're putting a pastor in. It's a moral inversion. I find it deeply troubling. It is very deeply troubling. Doesn't that show you more and more that these people who look at James Coates and say, you should just follow the rules, don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. It comes from this presumption that if the government is doing something in a crisis, it is doing it with your best interests at heart. There are too many people who believe that in the United States and apparently in Canada. But the government said, and they care about us. The government doesn't care about you. The government is full of people who care about reelection. The government is full of people who care about power. The government is full of people who love going to fancy parties and being able to say that they have some fancy title in front of their name. Yes, there are some good public servants, obviously, but trust government. When did we come to that understanding and to see so many Christians in the United States waving this away as if James Coates is some outlaw is ridiculous. How can you not see what is going on in front of your eyes? The government does not always do what is best for you. Does the name Governor Andrew Cuomo ring a bell? It should. Governor Cuomo didn't care what was best for all of those elderly people when they were in the nursing homes and he was sending COVID patients back in there and thousands of people died. And then he tried to cover it all up and now may very well be impeached. He didn't care so much about people, did he? It wasn't about people at all. And that guy's a tyrant as well. But I'm looking at Erin Coates's remarks here on Instagram from a few days ago. And she said, it was so hard. She said we had this secret part of the secret comment that she mentioned on Instagram. She said our lawyer was zoomed in with James in trial. The courthouse and the officers were the ones who would not tell us where he was. The inhumanity of my husband in chains while I could not find or get to him broke me to think he stood alone when we were trying to get to him was almost too much for me until I remembered the one who loves him more than I ever could was standing with him. Amen. I must trust James's life to him. He is only good to us. I was able to speak with James, getting, again, trying to get to him, but they wouldn't let us see each other. He's in quarantine in a medium security. I cannot visit because of virus restrictions. He will be isolated for two weeks or Lord willing his release. I do not know when I will speak to him next. This is in the West in a presumably civilized country. This is not a third world country as we like to discuss. Oh, well, you know, banana republics, what do you expect? This part of the world, you have all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but you know, this is the way it goes in that part of the world. Not in the West. We're entering new territory here. We're entering new territory here. 
This is a fight that the church must fight. And we must back this church. We must back this pastor. And we must stand with our brothers and sisters in Canada who are standing with the Coatses as well, because this is a battle for freedom. I am all for security and I'm all for safety. I love those things. But if I have to choose between freedom and safety, I want freedom. I want freedom more than I want all of that. Because now we see that freedom isn't free. And if you don't fight for it, you will lose it. So please keep the pastor his congregation, and his family in your prayers. Pray for his release. Pray that these restrictions will be eased and this church will once again be able to freely worship the Lord and gather together, as with all the churches in Canada. Thanks for being with us on Janet Meffer today. We'll see you next time.